in the house that screamed, the venomous seed of tormented desire grows to a nightmare of unspeakable horror. I must run this establishment with a firm pen. Everything seems very strange, madame. Five girls have disappeared in less than four months. We've never heard from any of these girls again. Begin. No, we can't clap, except sarcastically. Yes, no sarcastic clapping. Welcome to the Wage of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. We've switched bodies for this episode. Just like in your name. I know, which was another movie that we're not talking about in this episode, but you can check that out in our previous episode part. But, but body swaps aside, we gotta talk about our next segment, What the Devil Is That? Where yeah. we watched a film that neither of us had ever even heard of before. Yeah, not just that we never saw it, we never heard of it. We were like Tommy with this. We didn't see it, we Deaf, didn't Deaf, blind. Yeah. We go play some pinball and come out <laughs> knowing about this film we become wizards of this movie once we come out of it and the movie is has a title i am this is true the title is the house that screamed yes this is the name of the movie no bs the, it's called the house that screamed now, just to make sure you believe us this is a real title of a real movie. Yes, and I'm sure that I'll probably find a trailer online somewhere and I'll try to drop that audio in here at some point. And it's and it's weird because it's one of those films, like the titles you would probably just hear and be like, oh, that sounds weird. Yeah. But we, we had never even come across this title. And not only that, I should also mention another thing, that this is not the only movie that is called The House That Screamed. you got to be kidding me. There is another movie... <laughs> From 2000, that's called The House That Screamed. Is it a remake? Um, no. It's a completely different movie. Um, it's like a, it's like a, a recently widowed writer rents a haunted house in which to write his latest novel and is soon beset by the various ghosts in the house bent on claiming him as their next victim. That is not what this film. No, is it's not, and there's like barely any reviews of this movie, so I'm guessing. I, but this movie it. is a really cool movie. It came out in 1970. It's, it's a an Spanish production. It's a Spanish production. The original title is La Residencia. You can, so it's if not. If you Spanish speakers out there can tell why they changed it to The House That Screamed. Well, if you just <laughs> call it The House, I mean, first of all, it's not a very exciting title, and also. And actually, there's another horror movie, too, that's just called House. Oh, yeah. House. Um, well, no, no, no. Uh, not, not just that. There's Houseu, and yeah. then there's House. There's another House movie. Oh, jeez. From the 80s, which I haven't seen that one. I've seen Houseu. We talked about that on another podcast. Uh, but this movie, yeah, it's interesting. It, um, the, it takes place... I don't, does it say exactly when? No, but this seems like uh, it's a 19th period century. Piece. 19th century or early 20th, I'd say. Maybe. Maybe. And it it takes place in this uh, school for girls. And they I guess they all seem like they're wayward girls, maybe? Yeah, all, gr all girls bo boarding school in the country. Uh, the headmistress says these are all tough cases. Yeah. Girls who are difficult. And they've been sent to this school for one reason or another. 
And, you know, not all of them are happy about being there. It seems instead that there are frequent escapes from this school. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, and it's uh, the, the owner... Uh, well, it's Lily Palmer is the main actress. Uh, she plays the the the, the headmistress, uh, Forno. Yeah. That's how you pronounce it. And... Um, Actually, this is pretty helpful because now I have opened the letterbox so I can see the actors' names. Um, it's actually supposed to take place in France. Even though it's Spanish, I guess they all have French names. I think it's funny because I think at one point we both said that this could have been maybe a script from Louis Buñuel that he dashed <laughs> off in like a weekend or something. Um, but it's, a, it's very much about... That's because it has a lot of Buñuel trademarks like strange upper class people well, and a, sexual frustration oh there's a lot of sexual frustration and tension in this uh borderline if not outright lesbianism yeah it's almost exploitative almost, almost. not quite though it tries to be a little too tasteful and we'll get into that it actually has a plot which it pays off in it a pretty decent way it takes off in a decent way it doesn't necessarily land in a place until the very end uh, which we'll get to eventually if we get into spoilers. It does get confusing. A little. Uh, a li- well, little's a lot sometimes. But certainly, there are some confusing points. Um, and it's funny because I think early on we were both kind of joking. Like, at what point is the house going to literally scream at us? I know. And I think one of the points that was confusing to me was at first, I thought where they were going with it was that this was a haunted house. Yeah. Because there are certain moments where... Like the main character, what we think is the main character is this girl Teresa, who has come to the school new. Uh, she's the new girl. Well, she's the one we identify with at the fir- at first because she's we normal. are we're ex- yeah she's more or less normal. We're experiencing this place as she is, so she's the character we can identify with the best. Yeah, and and she's more trying to experience things and try to get used to this environment, which is fairly strict. Um, we kind of get we we are shown this. Fairly early on, I don't know if it's about 20 minutes in or a half hour in, where uh, uh, Forno is has, is showing some discipline, because uh, there was like a girl who was just not paying attention in class, and she was sent to her room, Yeah, and she asked her to apologize, and the girl's like, no, I'm not going to apologize, and she doesn't really say anything, she's just very, uh, the word is obstinate, yes. and she basically, you know, beats her but in a way that's with very, a whip with a whip and it's very uh humiliating because you know she asks she says to her take off your clothes and she doesn't and other girls are in the room and they kind of force her back open and it's very there are scenes like that in this movie they're very humiliating to characters yeah um which in a way you might expect when it's again it's a boarding school where um the, the headmistress, uh, played by Lily Palmer, she's the only one who's really in charge. Like, there's another character who, I didn't catch her name. Iran. She's the other one who's kind of by her side. She's yeah. also an older she's, woman. Oh, wait, no, the, um, the Is kind that, of maid lady? Yeah, oh, oh I was thinking of, like, the girl who was in charge of all the other girls. Oh, well, that, well, there's her. I mean, but she, but she's in, but she's in the school, too. Yeah. Right? Like, she, she's learning with She's her. a student. Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, Irene. Yeah. Erin is how she's pronounced in the movie. I'm going to go with Irene because English is a language I speak. Yeah. And, well, going back to that exploitation element, um, I mentioned to Andrew that there was this whole period 
after this movie was made, because this was made in 1969. Uh, but in the 70s, there was this whole period where they made Nazi exploitation movies. Yeah. Uh, the classiest of those, which was really more closer in art film than exploitation, was something that we watched. The Night Porter? The, yeah, the night the, the night the Porter went home. No, The Night Porter. Yeah. Which is a very interesting movie, but also very uh, racy. Could have, could have been a lot more sensational, but it somehow dials it back just a little bit. Yeah, and... Something that occurred to me, and I took this note down, is that I have to wonder if, again, even though this movie takes place in Par- in France, this movie's made, this is a Spanish movie. This is a Spanish horror movie. I have to wonder if maybe there's this underlying sense of, of a reflection of being in Franco, Spain. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know enough about Spanish history to really no. reflect no, no, that. Yeah, well, it's just... The way that Irene looks, uh, at least for the first half of the movie, you can tell who she is because she's the one who has a tie on. Yeah. And it makes her stand out because she is uh, very... Uh, she almost looks militaristic. She, she's she's very tightly buttoned up. Very tightly buttoned up. She makes all the girls go in lockstep and then eventually reveals herself to be uh, both passive and aggressive. And probably a lesbian. Probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. It's it's implied very strongly. <laughs> yeah, and now the thing the, the thing is, when I went back, I said I was I thought at first this could be a haunted house movie. You have the moments where the girl notices that the door is opening or closing by itself just a little bit. Yeah. But but then it drops that, and then you realize, oh, about halfway through the movie, oh, it's a serial killer movie. Or, or what we might call a giallo. Like on the back of the of the Blu-ray, uh, this came out from the the Shout Factory, who puts out a lot of great uh, obscure horror movies. Uh, it said that this inspired, or this is one of the inspirations for Suspiria. Yeah, which we've talked about Suspiria quite a bit on the show. Yeah, mostly how much I dislike it. <laughs> this film is much better than Suspiria, though. You know what here's I, what th- I you say. know what I think is really great about this. Here's what I would say. Okay, this I'll let you go first. This. Suspiria is more stylish. This might have a more coherent story. I think this one is more atmospheric. Yeah. Yeah, because there is that that old house, which has the house in Suspiria is very is very stylish. Uh, you know, it's very colorful. Well, the direction I meant more so. Not so I, I, much well, the art direction. I think the art direction is very stylish in Suspiria, and it ha- it's very colorful. And there are a lot of very unique touches that make that film's art productions stand out yes this film didn't make any certain places stand out but it made sure that everything looked very old it made it look very uh oppressive in terms of of being from this older time well you mentioned hammer horror and i got yeah well hammer is a little all over the place when it comes to its look Sometimes, some of the color sometimes reminded with, me of the look of Hammer. With Hammer, yeah, it has that sort of film stock that you would mm-hmm. see in, in Hammer films of the time, and the Hammer is a little all over the place when it comes to where th- what things look like. Yeah, I, a lot of times you can't even tell what country you're in in a Hammer yes. film. It's like we're in German England area, <laughs> yeah, but it's still. Uh, but uh, this place looked just like this. 
you know, all these old woods, all these old tapestries, all this uh, somewhat cramped, but still this functioning room, which was a really fantastic look. And every place in that in that house looked like it had been sometimes it's dingy. Yes. Like you can see the dinginess on the tiles in the shower room yeah, and we there's graffiti on the on the on the on the back of the door to the changing room and it's it, and you really notice these weird little touches where it's just like yeah. this is a place that feels lived in. Yeah. And yeah, seems really old. Yeah, they do a very good job with that. Absolutely. Um I uh yeah, this is more probably a director's movie in a way than an actor's movie even though they do cast a few people who have a very distinct look because hmm. uh, we i should also mention that um the uh the headmistress uh forno has a son who lives on, on the premises lewis lewis yeah and it's interesting because at first you just think oh well he lives there because he lives there that, that's basically it it isn't until much later in the movie, through a line of dialogue, that we learn that he's there because he has asthma, and he can't be sent to a, like a boys' boarding school. Right. It would have been nice if they had shown that. Like this, I, I, without spoiling, like what ha- what leads up to this. There's a moment where the boy is climbing in these ducks. Yes. And he gets stuck, and is trying to kick open uh, a grate uh, so that he can get out. And and his mother. He seems perfectly healthy to me. Yeah, they that could have been a really good moment to show. Oh, he's suffering right now. He can't breathe. He's really starting to have like an attack, possibly. But that, I guess, that would have taken too much effort on the writer's part. I don't know. I don't know. It could have been nice to show it as opposed to tell it. That's that's why I meant to well, say. Well, yeah, that's that's always good. Yeah, um, because there are times where. Again, it, finally when they establish, okay, this is a serial killer movie. Okay, good. But then there are characters who... Uh, characters apparently get killed off to a point, though, where they mention at one point, there, did you know there are five girls missing? And I was like, and we, I think we were both like, wait, were there five? No. <laughs> we, there is a weird, I think the movie lost count. There's a weird thing in the middle of this movie where... It feels like the filmmakers skipped something. Yeah. Because... And we were watching the extended cut, too. So we should have been able to see everything. But I think that was just for gore or things that were cut out. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a lot of story was cut out uh, when this was released in America. But... Or possibly England. The the English language cut. Uh, Here's the point. There is this little leap... Where it's like some things, there have been some developments in relationships. Yes. And they just kind of gloss over it. And if you connect the dots, you can see like, well, that, that makes some sense. But mm-hmm. it, you really have to figure it out. And not not the good kind of figuring it out, where it's like a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, we're missing the middle part of this book. Let's try to figure out what happened <laughs> as we go along with yeah, the rest of it. But, but the thing is, it's not the kind of thing where... Oh, it can be fun, like, where sometimes filmmakers will be like, I want the audience to really try to fill in the gaps, and, you know, we can, you know, I, I want them to meet me halfway, and then it could be fun. No, this is just that they seem like they cut some things out, or 
little piece of information. Yeah. Now, that said, I do agree with you that the strongest part of this is the look of the film and the atmosphere. It almost, you could say, it's gothic yeah. in its approach, which is different than what Suspiria did. That was a little bit more taking it in a modern direction, you could say, or a modern fairy tale-ish type thing. And what's most important to remember, too, is that even though there are horror... You can call this a horror movie, but it's also kind of a psychosexual drama. Yeah. Um, especially with... It's, it's uh, really surprising how much of really a sexual drama this is. Yeah. Because it's... it's To a certain extent, there are murders that happen in this film, but they're all they're almost relegated to the background because we see people get killed in this film yeah and there's real they, suspense that but they up they more it. or less disappear because by the time everybody wakes up the next morning it's like huh another student's missing yeah which and is they strange, don't find the body yeah because you would think that this headmistress who you know she, she has to look after these girls even if they're wayward or they have you know like the main character we find out later that her mother was a prostitute um, or, or at least worked in a cabaret. Um, but you'd think that, okay, after the first girl or the second girl, maybe I should start trying to investigate this. No. It's not her job. I guess not. <laughs> well, we also talked about, we also brought up Picnic at Hanging Rock as another movie to compare to. They, they have similar, they take place in similar time periods. Maybe. And it's a similar setting, a girl's school. Well, you also but had Picnic, that movie, The Headmistress, as well. Yeah, there was a lot about, and there was a lot of, there was some sexual tension in that film as well. Yeah, this is a different kind of tension. I think Picnic at Hanging Rock dealt with that a little more tastefully yes. than this. But ironically, there was one moment, there's a scene where you see the girls in the shower. But they aren't completely naked. No. They, they have on, like, at least one... They have a layer of a gown. They were, Yeah, they're wearing some sort of, like, nightgown or, like, a shift or something. And it was so weird. And then there's one moment where a girl defiantly takes off her clothes. Yeah. In front of the headmistress. And it's just like, why would it be defiant? You're, you're in a shower. I don't know what 19th century shower habits were. Uh, it felt uh, it was. It, it kind of reminded me. But I mean, of, clearly uh, we're t we're in a strict. Was, they're in a strict environment where it's not unlikely that you know people aren't allowed in a public in like a communal shower to be naked in front of each other. It just, I guess, maybe if I knew about that was a thing, maybe I wouldn't have been so taken aback by it. Like, but I felt like it was an organic part of the location. Like this, this was like an organic part of their behavior. That and then someone when someone does violate that. There are, well, if there had been repercussions about that, it would have felt more natural. But maybe that, there were but that like, but that like story beat where like the girl takes off her entire that's just thing. just a thing that happens. It just happens. And yeah. then they're just like. Well, there's also something else that's the, going on the, in that scene too. Yeah, the headmistress objects and then like she kind of backs down for some reason, which I don't understand necessarily. It just seems strange that you would think that you're in a shower. How are you supposed to get, like, I, those girls must not fully be clean where uh, they should be. We, we gotta look this up. <laughs> I bet this, but, uh, but it is a weird thing also because it's, it, the film has almost that exploitative air. Like, we've seen a girl get flogged for misbehavior yeah. by other girls. We've had the head student kind of come on to this new girl saying, I can help you out if you just yeah. obey me while she's 
caressing her hands. Yeah. And it feels really a lot like it's going to go in that direction where the film is going to be a sort of, you know, this, uh, this sort of, you know, lesbian erotic tease in disguise as a horror film, but it never goes all the way there. And I think that's admirable. It's admirable. It's just, I didn't quite expect it. I thought, this kind of movie would just be that kind of thing. Yeah. Where, but it, but I'm actually going to go back and uh, amend something I just said because I said it's not really an actor's movie, but Lily Palmer, you know, she she really makes an impression mm. as this headmistress. Yeah. Because when you see, you know, she's so when she enters a room, you just feel the air kind of leave. <laughs> And, you know, just, uh, she sets the tone right away because she's, interestingly, in this classroom where she's just saying things, the students have to write down everything she says. Yeah. Um, not a great teacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she could work on her teaching skills. Um, but she and also Mary Maud, who is the actress that plays Irene, she makes quite an impression as well. Yeah. Those two, I think, they more or less hold the film hold all the parts of the film together yeah because they yeah there are these they're in a way the visual markers emotionally because they're so strict yeah but what makes it interesting too uh, god I, I guess it would be a spoiler so we won't quite get into that yet um but also the the son we should mention too uh lewis his the actor is named john Mulder brown He's the actor. I haven't seen anything else. He looked like... I made the joke, I think, when he first came on screen. He reminded me of uh, a character in uh, Cabaret. Because there's this one scene where you see uh, all these blonde-haired Germans singing uh, this song about uh, tomorrow lives for me today. Something like that. It's like almost like a Nazi anthem without being about Nazism directly. Right. Um, he seemed like a kid that would have been in that scene. Uh, you know, just a big head of hair, looks very tender, but also possibly has some weirdness about him. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he's really makes, makes a good impression. Yeah. I would say that also the music was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't, the the music didn't leave a huge impression on me, but it was, uh, it wasn't Suspiria level. No. At times I was trying to put like the jeez that type of music to me. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the other things I could say before we go into more specific things. I would say that if you are a fan of European uh, horror, gothic horror, yeah, this is a this is an interesting one to check out. Um, there are times where there are lulls. And again, the confusing parts kind of, didn't they didn't make the movie stop, but they made they took me out of the movie and I, I tried to think logically about it because it's not a movie that is let me put it this way it, it's not a so bad it's good type of movie. It's actually trying to be a legitimately affecting and effective horror movie. yeah um. But then when you try to follow the logic of it, and I guess this happens also with Giallo movies sometimes, you got to try to throw logic to the wayside. Because when there is suspense, 
the director does a good job of carrying through that suspense, especially when characters are going through uh, hallways and all these different little corridors in the house. Yeah. And especially how it's lit because everything is dark in a lot of places. So sometimes it's like, is there a door here? Is there a door there? Is this going to take me up to the roof? Uh, am I going to have to go up another spiraling staircase that we can barely see? Um, and it, it makes for a nice, a really good place. Like, in a way, the house is also another character, you could say. Hmm. Is that good? What do you think of that point? I just think that the same... I, I wouldn't count it that way. I mean, there are films where the ho- the house is kind of a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about The Shining. Talk about the... Not, uh, not to the extent of The Shining. Talk I mean, about well, The Haunting. No. I mean, The Haunting is, is, is a prime example. Yeah, it's not that distinct. But in this one, in terms of how the plot lays out, I don't think the, the house necessarily works as a well, I mean, we're never literally talking about the house being a character. No, no, this no, house no, does no, not no, physically no. scream. But I what I think, but I think is a better way to describe it is that this house seems distinct from a lot of things we've seen before. I, I compared this to sort of a hammer horror film, but this is this doesn't look. This would not be a place in that in, in like a hammer production. No, it looks far too detailed and authentic to really seem like a film set from from an english studio yeah it feels like a place that it feels like a place that really exists yes it doesn't seem like a set is what i'm saying that's that's more of what i meant to say uh as a character and that somebody actually designed it and you know for example if you were to look at like the books on a shelf they'd all be real books yeah that type of thing like the great gatsby what was that thing in the Great Gatsby? Yeah, I'll talk about it later. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so so know, let's get into spoiler territory because we can't talk about this film without talking about the end. No, we can't. And also so, there are other things too. If you guys are really invested in seeing The House That Screamed, which I would recommend, uh, stop right here, go mm-hmm. see the film, and then like start right about here. <laughs> so here's what really makes this film interesting for me not the not necessarily just the ending right? not just the ending but it's the idea that when you look back at everything that's happened in the plot really the conclusion is the one that makes the most sense it does because yeah. let's say it right now the murderer is is lewis yeah now <laughs> originally i thought it could have been there's another character who's like a groundskeeper. Groundskeeper Willie. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I, but ultimately, knowing what I know about narratives and about red herrings, I knew he wasn't going to be it. Because he was the most suspicious, strangest looking man who happened to work on the campus. Yeah. He, he, he was, was more, a red he, herring. He was more of the character that you see in the Friday the 13th movies. Who says, it's called a death curse. He's, he's like the harbinger yeah. in the cabin in the woods. Yeah, but, the thing is, the movie, try, I think, when you look back on it, too, if I were to watch this a second time, I feel like there's a scene where it tries to lead you to believe that he is the killer, though. Because there's a scene where a girl goes into the barn, and it's a really creative scene visually, because you hear all these sounds of the girl, Yeah, but it cuts to other girls back in the main house, Yeah, and it turns into this very feverish montage where you see all these close-ups of the girls' faces and I think their hands 
and I think you joked that it was like their their horniness has caused their <laughs> sensory perceptions they're, they're, to increase fivefold. Their 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 badgedar. Right, but that's tingling. the that's the whole idea of that scene. It's like every few days the woodcutter comes to deliver their wood. And the head and the head student arranges it so one student can go out and have sex with him. Oh, so that oh they were having he was oh he was having sex with them. Yes, I didn't get that. Oh, I'm an idiot. Definitely. Ah, that's uh, but that's not even the groundskeeper guy. The guy who's doing the furnace. Oh, I was that's the woodcutter guy. Okay, but think about the ending. We find out Lewis is the one who's killed both these girls, and in the end. Yeah, that one makes the most sense well, because there are like four. There are four possible people it could be. It's either the groundskeeper, it's Lewis, it's the headmistress, or it's Irene. Those mm-hmm. are the only four people who, like, by the tropes of horror and thrillers, could be the killer. Yeah, and they also, unlike Giallo movies, where sometimes they show like the killer putting on his black gloves and you see through the killer's point of view. Uh, you don't get that that as much in this movie. No, it's just there's I, somebody there. There you do see the girls get killed, and it's pretty graphic because it is. Well, yeah. Well, it's well, it's more so that right before you see their throats cut, like there's that's like how a freeze cut. frame. Yeah, so you're meant to look even more intensely at the image. and then you're like, not you're not even sure if this is happening, and then all of a sudden, you, like especially in that second murder. He draws the knife across her, her her neck, and you see just the blood come out in slow motion, and it's just like, whoa! They, you know what you should have done? Cut to a shot of the moon, and a, a cloud go across it. When all else fails, cut to a shot of the moon. Exactly. Right, but um, then, and I, and I but, wrote down that's a murder. Oh yeah, I mean, but and the first murder was was awesome too. It, like all those murder scenes are the ones they are the things they cut out from the english language release i'm sure that there would be some people who might watch this movie and maybe they would say oh i called that right i mean but ultimately that works in the film's favor because i mean who is the only character who could have possibly killed these girls Mm. it has to be lewis because lewis like for the first girl we see he sent up the keys and knew she was going to be there Mm. for the for the second girl she went and told him she was leaving, and he was like, okay, see you yeah, later. Right. But then he's the only other person who knows where to find her. Yeah. And then you find out why he's been doing it, and that's the real kicker. He's just, well, he's just a, well. Oh, he's crazy. Oh, he's really he's... crazy. He, like, he, he cuts, like, because you find that this one girl who's been killed has her her hand... Her hands are gone. Yeah, and he's tried to create the perfect woman. But it's be, but it's because here's his logic. His mother has been talking to him all this time, talking about why how about how he can't leave and why why he's there. Right. And she says someday you will have, uh, you will have a wife and a family, and you'll have and you'll have a, a, a and you'll have a, a marvelous woman just like me. I was just thinking of uh, this, I was just thinking of my Python, the Holy Grail. Someday this will all be yours. What the curtains? <laughs> yeah. You'll have you'll have a marvelous woman just like me, which kind of creepy. God, that's a creepy line. Well, there's well, we didn't mention that there's a moment in this movie that is kind of incestuous. It's meant to be read that way. 
how could else could you read it? It's not directly like, oh, mother and son are gonna bang, but it, it it's. <laughs> she kisses him on the lips. She does, and then but then there's also this transition, where then as this happens, uh, then like it kind of goes into like the sun, like it kind of goes in like a flesh color, and then it transitions into. Uh, a plain glass window. Yeah. Uh, but he's... Lewis has killed five women because he is taking their parts to construct a woman who is like his mother. Yeah. And he's just keeping these parts underneath a cloth in the attic. The ending makes and he's the like, movie. Yeah, it, do, it really does. Because there's a lot of hit or miss stuff in the movie, I gotta be honest. Like, there, you know, there, there's some really good things in the movie... There are also some times where, again, you get confused. Yes. And I'm not sure if necessarily the ending completely clears up those confusing parts, but the ending does make an impact. Oh, yeah. Especially the way that at the very end, the mother's outside, and you finally get that scream. Yeah. And they just show, like, these freeze frames of the sun. Yeah. And his face is just all, like, proud and beaming. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And then, and then it just ends. That's it. Yeah, that's just it. Um, yeah, there. When I look back, I have a lot of notes where uh, Lewis gets close. And another interesting thing I should mention: one thing I liked in this movie. So even though there are a lot of characters, we're kind of led to believe that Teresa is our kind of protagonist. Yeah. But she gets killed a good 15, 20 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah. And then Irene becomes the main character, you yeah. say. Or, or at least she's the one now that we're kind of following. But then she gets killed five minutes before the end of the film. Yeah, I just, I liked that. It kind of made you question, okay, so was the was the headmistress the main character all but, along? But the thing is, when Irene gets killed, we know it's not the headmistress because we've seen her oh, oh, no, following no, sure. Irene and she's the one who discovers the body. Yeah, I wasn't saying that. I was more going about how we usually try to identify with a character. And, you know, by sudden. the time we get to that point, we've eliminated half of our potential suspects. <laughs> yes. And then when you're just laying down your money, it's like, okay, is it Paul? The, the the strange boy who likes to spy on girls or is it the janitor we know nothing about and who's probably a red herring yes <laughs> um but yeah i uh this has a lot of effective stuff and that ending especially uh i guess in a way the way that we not quite the same way but when we were talking about uh the housemaid yeah and how that ending was uh Something that made the movie kind of unique. Yeah. This does it the same. You're right. We've had some good endings recently. So, you know, I think uh, I've said enough about this. I would wreck... Well... It's I, not a great it, movie. If you're listening up to this point, I, yeah. I would I would recommend it. I, I'm happy I saw this. Yeah, if you want to see something that is... It's not... Um, again, there are some exploitative elements to it. But it's more tastefully done. I think that's why you meant. That's why we keep thinking of the Hammer Horror thing. Yeah. Because Hammer Horror is that kind of middle ground where it's not quite the, like the classical horror, but it's also not so overly violent like right. movies we've got in the past forty years. Um, it's and it's slightly campy. Yeah, there is a campy element to this movie as well. Again, you can't help that when it's a movie with all girls. Um, <laughs> there's all, I should also mention the element of the fact that while um, 
while Lily Palmer and a couple other actors are speaking English, again, it's a Spanish production, so you will just notice that there are actors who... Who are dubbed. Yeah, they are dubbed. It's very uh, spaghetti westerny in that way. Uh, but but you yeah, have a that's, with that, that's par then, for the course. Yeah, and also, uh, on the Shout Factory Blu-ray, there are two versions of the movie. There's a theatrical version, and there's an extended cut. Watch the extended cut. Yeah, now, even though the extended cut has footage that's not quite... The, the added footage isn't the same quality as the rest of the movie that they've remastered. It's but, fine. But it has the coolest stuff in it. It has some pretty cool <laughs> stuff. It Yeah, it has extra s- stuff that they probably cut out for this reason or that. And yeah, I would. it's a, it's a decent little movie. It's uh, not quite what I expected. Um... Again, if you, the title might ki- kind of lies to you. Oh, it, it lies its ass off. Yeah, but what's what else is new? Movies have been doing that forever. Um, but yeah, I had fun with it. Me too. So that's it for this week's, uh, or this month's, uh, What the Devil is That? And next time we'll have another movie that we are looking at with a... Uh, I... Definitely. <laughs> yeah, and that's the whole point of this whole exercise. And... Uh, in our last segment uh, for this episode, uh, we are going to return to the world of horror, which we've kind of done already, but we're going to go even deeper. So, listen! <laughs> I don't know what to say. Check it out, guys. <laughs> The house that screamed 